0: Very spooky. That's okay. Hello, hello, everyone. You look so in a daze there. Your eyes were so wide.
1: Uh. I am all over the place. My brain juice is
0: not working. Wait, but Corinne, you're a wife, or you will be when this episode comes out. I will be when this comes out. You're an old maid. You are off the market.
1: You're an old lady. Now, no one ever has to ask me anything about my relationship again. Actually, I think it just immediately turns to, when are you having kids, right? Isn't that Mm. how it goes? Yeah. I'm guilty of that, too. As soon as people get engaged, I go, when's the wedding? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> People are like, "Oh my god, let me be enjoy being engaged." Yes, we are recording this a couple of weeks in advance because it's gonna be a crazy couple of weeks. It is, and it already does feel crazy. I'm having a very ugly day today, which is why I'm wearing no, my, my comfort clothes, oh my Two Rosemos hat, and my Phantoms shirt. <gasps> all TGOG swag. I do love that shirt, but no, I'm happy to get my ugly day out of the way now, and hopefully. In a couple of weeks, I don't have any more.
0: You know what's so crazy to me is how, well, one, I will say you're not having an ugly day to me as an observer, Thanks. as an outsider from not being in your body. But as a woman, I will acknowledge it is very strange, but I think with our menstruation cycles, we go through phases of glowing and then having ugly days. Uh, yeah. I'm like puffy and red all over. Yeah. And then weirdly, when you're ovulating, I feel like, or when I'm ovulating, I feel like I am the hottest piece of woman
1: in the world. I feel that too. And it has made me wonder sometimes if I have another mental disorder (laughs) because I'm like, what are these extreme swings of being like, wow, I'm kind of hot and I think I'm pretty cool and I'm pretty badass to being like... Everybody hates me. I'm so damn ugly. My stomach is distended three more inches out than it was two hours ago because I drank water. It's ridiculous.
0: I think that is called the human condition. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, can I just say something? I, I raised my hand.
1: Hot me? Pick me. Yes. Yes, Sabrina. Sabrina In the back, in the back, Sabrina,
0: the girl who never talks, Sabrina. Can you see me? Can you see me? I Hi. can see you. Hi. My name is Sabrina. <laughs> Also, this is, you want to say real quick what our podcast is? This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Girls, One Ghost. Uh, that's Corinne. And Hi. I am Sabrina. And I have a comment to make. So I have been, the last year has been a big wild ride emotionally, mentally. People who have been listening to the show know that I did like an in, like a intensive outpatient therapy program to deal with my mm-hmm. traumas. And I've been kind of testing out a ton of different medications for my depression, for my anxiety. And I was just put on a medication that has changed my life. <gasps> You've got the good cocktail going. You finally figured it out. Uh, uh, yeah. My bartender slash psychiatrist is a mixologist to the 10th degree. And we got to give her high praise because I feel like... Small golf clap for her. I feel like the Claritin commercial like I'm, I'm within it. There was this like foggy film over my life. And then now suddenly it's been peeled back. And I'm like, is this what life is like for other people? Is it this pretty and bright and happy? What? I love this
1: for you. No, this is, I'm so happy for you. This is, (laughs) this is huge this is huge. I want to like reach through the computer and just shake your shoulders and be like, you did it. You did it. I feel like in a, in a, the movie,
0: I feel like bing bong when it's like, Oh my gosh. Another reference that I don't know.
1: You've got this fly to the moon. Yes, you do from inside out. Who's the oh, friend who likes oh, to play? Okay. Bing bong, bing bong. And gotcha. when he has to, when she goes and he stays behind and he's like, you've got this, Riley. Mm, Shoot for yes. the moon. I feel I feel like that right now for that's, you. That's like, you. I'm so excited yeah. for you. You've always been that for me. This is huge because, well, it's funny because I was telling you the other day that I keep forgetting to count both you and me and all of my wedding planning. Because I view you as an extension of me and I keep forgetting to count myself. So by default, I forget to count you because I'm like, (laughs) well, it's a given that we're the two of us are at everything. And so I keep forgetting. It's like me and you. And sometimes I forget Brian, but
0: it's mostly me and you that I (laughs) forget to count. Okay. Well, okay. What prompted this was, Corinne, you and I usually talk multiple times a day, like it nonstop. Mm -hmm. And whether it's business stuff or it's friendship stuff, whatever it may be. So this past weekend, I sent you like a long text about something. And then I sent, and this was starting like Friday morning. We had a call with our reps and it went great. And then I I think I sent you like eight texts from 9 30 a.m. until 7 p.m. or no, like 5 p.m. the next day. And I hadn't heard back from you. And I sent you TikToks, you sent which I like, usually videos.
1: You. you sent me TikToks.
0: Yeah. You sent me texts. You sent me questions. I sent you I started recording my wee morning ritual and I sent you like a beginning of it. You didn't respond. These are all things that I thought would like get you jazzed and you
1: didn't respond. I didn't respond. And yet I watched the video three times over and smiled at it,
0: (laughs) but I didn't respond. And I finally had to text you and be like, so are you (laughs) like just checking in? Are you okay? I see your location is at home, but like you haven't responded. You were like, are you a...
1: Alive? Are you B mad
0: at me? <laughs> C none of the above. All of the above. I, th- I said A. Are are you alive? B did you get cold feet and run off with Bigfoot? C because <laughs> of my insecurity. Are you mad at me? No,
1: no. I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I didn't run off with Bigfoot. I was just so overwhelmed and still feeling overwhelmed. With the amount of stuff I have to do. It's like not even. It's just little things. Like, thank God I did so much in advance, but it's just little things. I felt super overwhelmed, and so I saw a few friends this weekend that I hadn't seen in months, who like definitely helped me kind of get back to that's nice my grounded safe place. Yes, and just like hung out on their back deck and and just like took in the now summer air because it was like eighty degrees that night. Wow! And then I went antiquing up in Marblehead. And eat some fish and seafood. So very a very Korean weekend. What you needed? Wandered around an old fort and cemeteries. Yeah, basically I ignored every single person. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, it was also you. Which which That's means okay. I was super stressed because usually when I ignore texts, I never ignore yours. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I just needed like a 48 hour reset
0: because I'm optimistic and new lively version of myself, the shining light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of I feel like your body has been taken out of fight or flight. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a combination. Anyway, the the shining light at the end of the tunnel for you, Corinne, is that by the time this episode comes out, all of the wedding planning, all of that stress will be behind you and you will be in this like beautiful newlywed bliss with Brian.
1: Yeah, but you know me, can never live in the present. Never lives in the present. I've already, I've gone past the point of fantasizing and planning how I'm going to decorate my home that I haven't moved into yet that I've purchased and have already moved on to creating Pinterest boards for my future beach house, my future lake house. Like, I need to freaking live in the present and I say it every year and I never do it. I promise that for the two weeks after the wedding, I will be cool as a cucumber.
0: Good. Totally vibing. (laughs) <laughs> totally rad. Okay. Totally. Well, I'm excited. You I'm gonna say this knowing it's true, even though it hasn't happened yet. You were glowing on your wedding day. No one noticed that your dress is a little too short. I better be. I freaking bought products to make me
1: glow. I bought some of that like beauty, like shimmer lotion, whatever. We don't need to talk about my wedding. I'm sure one of the episodes, it's going to be like August, but because we're
0: pre-recording so many by the time we actually talk about it. So I sent you a picture of the the bridesmaids dress and it was, a, it was supposed to be a midi dress, but on me for some reason, it was like floor length. It was to your ankles. Yeah. And then when I got it tailored, I got like nervous. So I ended up buying myself like two other versions of that same dress just in case, because it was also like too big. And so I just ordered a bunch. And so I'm basically going to have three dresses to choose from on your wedding day. Wait, no, you spent too much money. You spent too much money. I'll return what I don't wear, but I just was nervous that like it would be tailored and would be too short and it wouldn't make you happy. So I got you. I, I just have options. And then I'll return the others.
1: Sabrina, you didn't have to do that. I like how you and I had such opposite problems for each person's wedding where you, yours is too big for you. And so now you're trying to find one that fits. Mine was too small. And I was like, it's okay. I can get into it. And literally had people suck me into it and then made it down the aisle. And (laughs) once we were standing there, the back zipper busted open. And then I was just like the back of my bra was all you could see for the rest of the night. So I'm sorry I didn't get another one for you, but I was I was hopeful that I would lose weight and instead I gained weight before your wedding, right before your
0: wedding. But okay, well, I think you will look beautiful regardless. And But you know what? It's not about me. You're going to shine. I'll look invisible anyway. Actually, no. You definitely did not have to buy something new. Now I feel bad that I was like, oh, that does look big on you. What
1: size did you get? I didn't mean it as like you needed to buy something, Sabrina. I was just like, no, no, no. Wow. I can't believe their sizing is so unpredictable.
0: To be fair, I didn't think it looked big on me. And then when I went to go get it tailored, the first thing I was like, I came out of the dressing room and I was like, I just want to like trim the hem so that it's more of a midi. And she goes, how about the fact that you're drowning in that dress? That's more important. She's like, do you have time to get a new one? And I was like, what? I didn't think he was that big. And then, so anyway, I got, a, uh, I have options. You're just a little too, a little too tiny for it at the moment.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I never get rid of any clothes that are too small or too big because I know I'll grow or
0: shrink into it in different times in my life. And that's also just the human experience. Yes. In the last year, well, we, we can get to stories in a second, but in the last two years, I have grown three sizes. I have shrunk back down to like the size below what I was. It it is just the human body fluctuates so much, especially for us women. It's so wild. It's like hormones
1: and mental health and anxiety and depression and life and just like just activities too, you know? Yeah. Like stress has hibernation, weather. Totally. And it's like I always gain weight in the summer despite moving more because Mm -hmm. I'm going out to dinner more and I'm eating ice cream and doing all those things. So it's just we ebb and flow. We grow and we shrink. But one Mm -hmm. thing is constant and that is our love for ghost stories.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Which brings us to today's episode. And it's kind of a return to our old format. Not kind of, it is. It's a return to our old format. We, in honor of Corinne being a wife, a newly married woman. We're just going to milk it for as long as we can. Yeah. I will say, though, the theme was like love slash kind ghost stories. And as I do, I found a loophole.
1: Mine isn't too loving either. (laughs) Oh, okay. okay. Mine's more depressing.
0: So, you know... That's okay. Do you want to go first? Because I feel like yours is more ghost story and mine is a little bit like weird and kooky and less ghosty. Okay. I can go first then because
1: I basically chose a place that, I mean, there's a little bit of love involved Mm -hmm. in some of the stories I'm going to tell you, but really I chose it because there's a love for this place between that place and you and I. And you could say Love is Blind because we've actually never been there.
0: (laughs) Okay. And and you've also been watching a lot of Love is Blind.
1: (laughs) I've been crushing it. It is St. Augustine. (gasps) So we're going to St. Augustine to a very specific place in St. Augustine. But I thought, what a great return. You know, we came out the gates. Talking about St. Augustine in the first month of doing this podcast and our desire to go there. We're now almost six years in, still haven't been there, but it is one of the top places on our bucket list. And I think our love of the place and love of doing stuff together will bring us there soon. Season. And if we don't get there in the next year, I'm planning us a trip to, to go there.
0: I think we can make it a goal to go this year.
1: Yes. I'd be upset with us if if we didn't end up there for sure. Okay. 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 So, deal. Our next stop, not our next stop, our stop, our our only stop, <laughs> <laughs> is to the Casablanca Inn in Saint Augustine. Oh, I like the name. Yes, it's very. It sounds very like beautiful and. Re- I mean Casablanca, except this is not a in black and white. This is in full color, and the ghosts are out to play. St. Augustine was founded as a Spanish military base in 1565, which makes St. Augustine the oldest continuously occupied European settlement in the continental United States. So, this place is old. Oh, okay. And it, I mean, all the places are old, but this place has continued to be old forever and has always had a lot of action, a lot of people coming through. There were a lot of pirates, as we know, because we talked about Andrew Ranson five, six years ago. And there's also been a lot of, Death. Lovely. Yes. Perfect to choose for <laughs> our love episode. Yep. <laughs> Built in 1914 as the Matanzas Hotel, this two-story Mediterranean revival-style inn overlooks Matanzas Bay, which is a beautiful bay right on the coast of – I mean, that's like where all the ships come in, all the cargo. It's just so, so beautiful. And the the inn – I keep wanting to call it a hotel – can I look it up? Yeah, I actually am going to send you a picture right now. Oh, and you. I will also show this picture in the... In the YouTube video? Yes. I just texted you the picture and we'll put it in YouTube. It's an older picture with like the...
0: Ooh. Or at least it looks
1: to be with like a horse and buggy. But I don't know how old that is because I know that they do... They play into a lot I of was, the ghost tours and all that sort of stuff.
0: I was going to say the people on the horse and buggy look very modern. Yeah, yeah. But it <laughs> that's
1: true. But whoever, whoever took this photo either did it on film
0: or bumped up the grain and colorized it a little bit. So I was like, ooh. Also, can I clarify something real quick? You said that you chose a story with a lot of death, which is a very interesting way to do a podcast episode about love. But to be very fair, there wouldn't be ghost stories without a lot of death. Without death.
1: And also, really, marriage is... The beginning of a new chapter, so you kind of go through this death of self period where you transform, your chrysalis is happening, and, well, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It's just legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, never mind. I'm like, I'm not going to behave any different than I am now. I don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, you're not. Nope. No. Okay. Anyway, so we're we're at mm-hmm. this inn, the Casablanca Inn and it was mostly used as resting place for traveling salesmen who were passing through the area oh salesmen salesmen oh okay i would have guessed like seamen i'm sure there were seamen but i will tell you a little bit more about the salesmen in a in a second cuz they okay. were ordinary salesman. Oh. Okay. So during the Great Depression, this turned into the Bayfront boarding house that was used as a refuge for children and families. And then eventually it transitioned into the inn called Casablanca Inn. So for the sake of not confusing everyone with the various names, I'm going to call it Casablanca Inn, but we're going to go okay. back to its its beginnings back okay. in the early 1900s. This place, Casablanca Inn, quickly earned the reputation of being this very warm and clean place to stay. It had delicious food and its service was impeccable because there was this elderly and widowed owner slash innkeeper named Mrs. Bradshaw. And she was just so friendly. Everything I read about her, she was just so caring, wanted to make sure everyone was well taken care of. Just this little old lady having a great time taking care of her inn right next to the ocean and just kind of like Having people to talk to and and things to take care of and swap stories and just be humans interacting. And she just seemed like a lovely, lovely person. The inn's patrons loved staying there and getting to know her. And she was very outgoing, warm-hearted, just a personable and passionate person to be around. Delightful woman. A delightful little old lady. So it probably will make sense to us all to hear that at the cusp of prohibition, which... To remind everyone, was from 1920 to 1933 when the 18th Amendment made illegal basically the manufacturing and transportation and and sales of alcohol. That was now contraband. Because of that, a lot of places, especially places focused on hospitality, were suffering financially. You know, people couldn't go to restaurants and drink. People couldn't go to inns and drink. People couldn't. It just people just couldn't drink. Period. They couldn't drink. There was a lot of other stuff going on. And basically everyone was jonesing for some juice, you know? It's like
0: war, poverty, like inability to drink. It was just all of these things compounded at once.
1: Yes. And they were about to be thrown right into the Great Depression too. Like this was just everything was down, 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 which I feel like we can all relate to. We've had our own versions of that over the past few years. That was my past year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Different, and, but, you know, mentally the same.
1: Yeah. So Mrs. Bradshaw, her inn was suffering. So sad. The once lively place where she always had people coming in the door and was booked and, and had such a great time. It now began to have fewer and viewer bookings. She wasn't allowed to serve alcohol. Things just weren't looking great for her. And so just as she had taken care of all of her customers, she now was like, I really need to take care of my inn and make sure this thing stays afloat.
0: Is this a love story between woman and building? Basically. Yeah, sort of. Oh, okay. There's also
1: a little bit of a love story
0: elsewhere. I guess I did choose a love story. You did. Yeah. Love comes in many forms. We can spin it that way. Yeah. I'm optimistic again. Remember? (laughs)
1: The grass is green over in Los Angeles. Sabrina's having a happy day. Oh, I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Okay, so if I go and stock your Spotify recently played, Sabrina, better not be all the... It still is. <laughs> I, I just, I vibe with sad girl playlists. <laughs> I know. And it's also my fault for really enjoying you hard to know a Kahan. Because that's Uh, all we listened to for like a week and a half straight when you were out here. So, sorry. Yes. Okay. Mrs. Bradshaw, she struck a deal. She was like, I'm not letting go of my inn. I was a, a little saintly woman, but I've got the power to do what I can. And sometimes the world throws things that are unpredictable your way. And I don't need to play by the rules anymore. So, she decided to aid rum runners. She got involved with smuggling alcohol into the city from the bay. So her inn was the the perfect place to help because she had a view of the entire bay. She could see a lot of the waterfront. And so she would stand on her roof or from the second story of this two-story building. And she would use a lantern to signal to the bootleggers if the coast was clear or if it wasn't safe to come to land.
0: I love this so much because she's like the most discreet, like you would never expect her to be the one doing all of this. She was so discreet and so far from the
1: profile that people were looking for as someone being involved in this Yeah, that she quite literally, okay, remember when I told you about the traveling salesmen who stayed at her inn? They were actually nicknamed G-men for government men because they were actually Mm -hmm. FBI agents looking to catch bootleggers. So quite literally, they were staying with Mrs. Bradshaw, and she was just this daring little badass who just helped run all the contraband into St. Augustine right under their noses. How embarrassing for them. But also how badass for her. And who's going to, like, who cares if she just has a little lantern and has her little evening routine where she's like, oh, i just like to second story. You know, if anyone asks her about it, she just... Oh, that's just Mrs. Bradshaw. right? And also, I know nothing about her her backstory and her her previous relationship. I just know that she was a widow, so she could have been lying. Mm-hmm. She could have been like, "It's a routine I have for, it's a ritual I do sometimes to communicate with my my past lover." <laughs> Who knows? So no one really suspected her, and her involvement escalated. And she soon let bootleggers also stay in her inn. So she had the FBI agents looking for bootleggers in her inn and the bootleggers also in her inn. And then she would let them, the bootleggers, sell rum, mostly Cuban, like or, or I guess sell alcohol, which was mostly Cuban rum, to uh-huh. her patrons, people staying at the inn that wanted alcohol, which was such an extremely risky move. Yeah. Because, again, she would let the FBI agents there she can't be like no no not for you because then obviously she's she would be looked at and watched
0: closely i also have a weird feeling because i you know you know there's a lot of just uh what's the word i'm looking for i imagine that some of the fbi agents are also just like you know discreetly wanting some alcohol as well corruption that's the word i'm looking for corruption oh
1: i'm sure I'm sure there was. I didn't read anything about there being any corrupt parties from the FBI here, mm-hmm. but I'm sure, I'm sure there was something. Because there. it's also just so, I mean, how do you run both an inn that houses the FBI who are looking for bootleggers, a speakeasy and a safe spot for the rum runner route all at the same time? It seems impossible. It does seem very hard. But granny did it. And she did it well. This was one of the best places in St. Augustine to get alcohol and other contraband. Like it was the spot. Everybody trusted her. She had the rep. She was never caught. She was questioned. But she was always let go because she's just a little old lady. She can't possibly be involved in all this hoopla, you know? Yeah, Love her. So her involvement with smuggling alcohol did more than just save her business. By the way, it was totally saved. The inn was saved. She made a ton of money, which was great because then after the prohibition era, it would turn into this boarding house that would then mm. house all of these families and and kids that that needed a safe haven. The smuggling did more than just save her business. It actually supposedly found her new love. The widowed Mrs. Bradshaw and the head honcho of the rum running in the area are said Mm -hmm. to have fallen deeply in love with one another oh my gosh he made his living smuggling alcohol into the u.s on his boat and her lantern gave him safe passage they protected one another they cared for one another they kept each other safe and taken care of
0: that's very sweet what's his
1: story are you about to tell me Uh, Not really. I don't know much about it. And also, this is there's a lot of like, this is the legend. And then there's a lot of people that are like, she was a little old lady and he was really young. What are the chances of that? And then people get mad. And then there's like all this. I don't know if it's real or not, but this is the tale that's been told. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) So so one night, (laughs) no more questions. No questions. This isn't a fact based episode.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, it's not a fact based podcast. Let's be very clear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is like a few facts sprinkled in to what is very heavily legend.
0: Yes. Okay. I mean, her
1: involvement with the rum running is not legend. Only the love story here is legend. Gotcha. Just to make that clear. Yes. One night, as legend goes, her lover was making his way in from the sea on his smuggling route, and he posted up in the bay, and she took her position on the roof. Her lantern gripped in her hand looking around the land and the bay she spots federal agents they're in town and they're actively looking for the bootleggers this oh. is bad news and this is very dangerous yeah. if he were to come to land so she waved her lantern warning him that it is not safe he sees her warning he retreats in his boat out to the bay into the rougher seas and she never sees him again <gasps> That's so sad. It was the quickest love story that we ever did here because they were in love <laughs> and now he's disappeared. The widow, her her second lover, now gone. Dead, ran away. Oh man. Arrested. Who knows? All we know is uh this is why the Casa Blanca Inn, which was once a hot spot for illegal activity, is now a hot spot for paranormal activity.
0: Wow, beautiful writing there, Corinne. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> to this day, guests of Casablanca Inn report seeing a woman on the roof and in the second story waving a lantern back and forth. So this is the innkeeper. This has to be Mrs. Bradshaw, yeah. right? Right. And so people are are kind of like, is she reliving those frantic moments of the frantic last moments of seeing her love? Right. Or is she just, is this just like a part of her routine? wandering around. Ushering people in again. Yes, exactly. Locals know her as the lantern lady. So if you're visiting St. Augustine and you hear someone say, oh, we have a lantern lady, it's likely about Mrs. Bradshaw. And like you said, Sabrina, could she still be ushering people in? I think the answer is yes, because fishermen and other boaters often report seeing a swinging lantern on top of the roof, especially late at night when they make their way back into the bay. She's like a lighthouse. She is. She is a lighthouse, which is so great because like just the fact that this turned into a safe haven for so many kids as well in the future, like there's just something so warm about it and just keeping everything and everyone around her safe. And I like that.
0: Yeah. Maternal.
1: Lots of love coming from her. But when people approach her or I guess approach the light as they come into the bay, the lantern disappears. But again, she does more than just hang this lantern up and wave this lantern around. She is there to take care of this inn because she spent so much of her time in the last years of her life doing this. And it meant a lot to her. And people really enjoyed her. And I think she enjoyed the comfort of taking care of the inn and of the people that stayed there. So she continues to be there. She's not necessarily reliving that sad, sad day over and over again because she's busy. She moves about. Her footsteps can be heard walking down the hallways. The smell of oranges will linger for a moment after she passes by. And no one really knows why this is the scent because there was no real records or, or memories of people saying that she had a distinct smell of oranges. So they think maybe she just loved oranges and it's just a scent that
0: she carries with her in the afterlife. Wow. I imagine, I like to picture, I mean, it's Florida because so, and Florida is known for their fresh oranges. Like I imagine mm-hmm. Mrs. Broadshaw in the kitchen back in like the heyday for like making fresh squeezed orange juice. Yes. Yes. For all the people staying at the inn. Yeah. Actually, that's a good
1: point because the inn was said when she was running it to, it was said to have delicious food. So I can mm-hmm. only imagine that she probably did squeeze her own orange juice and and give it to all of the customers staying there. So all of this happens, the smells, the sightings from afar, the sounds of the footsteps down the hallway. And of course, her apparition is sometimes seen. There was a woman who was staying at the inn and took a picture of herself in the mirror with her film camera. Mm -hmm. She goes home, she gets her film developed, and she is shocked. When she sees that selfie she took in the mirror, there is another woman standing next to her <gasps> in the photo. It had this? to have been Mrs. Bradshaw. No. I wish. Oh. If someone knows, I feel like these are the pictures that you have to go on the ghost tours to see because I feel like a lot of tours somehow like secure the pictures and show you. but
0: Yeah. They keep them private yeah. so that they can show you on they the tour. They keep them private. Yeah. yeah.
1: if Maybe someone else out there has one. Or knows mm. where to find it. Do tell. Tell us. But when these photos were developed, this photo came back. And she was like, this is so cool, so terrifying. And also kind of lucky that she didn't have to see that in uh, in the moment. You know? Because I feel like mm-hmm. that would be so scary to look into. Actually, I have seen that happen. Never mind. I've experienced it twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was near heart attack both times. So actually, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And I'm sure it would have been terrifying for her too.
0: Yes. Especially if you have to like continue to stay in that place. Yes. Yes.
1: There's a misty fog that floats through the inn sometimes. And people think perhaps this is Mrs. Bradshaw because it moves down the halls into the guest rooms, floats around the inn's property. It doesn't do anything negative at all. It's just kind of moving about the space. So -hmm. they're like, this is likely the innkeeper, Mrs. Bradshaw. But one thing you'll likely notice when staying here is that you'll very rarely see a tablecloth. No one knows quite why Mrs. Bradshaw hates tablecloths, but the mm-hmm. staff on site has decided to forego <laughs> many attempts at covering tables for too long after many incidents where Mrs. Bradshaw's spirit aggressively rips them off of the tables. It's far too scary for the guests to witness. So they're just like, you know what? What? We'll just let it be bare. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. But no, they're trying to, the inn is trying to protect the guests from this horrifying sight in there. There's it's not there. too many
0: cloths on tables. And also like if something happens enough times, it's kind of like, okay, let's just respect Mrs. Bradshaw's wishes because clearly she's not letting this go. Right.
1: Exactly. You have to make peace and, and coexist. And if that's the yeah. only thing that she's finicky
0: about, like, just don't use the tablecloths, you know? Yeah. That's, that's hard hard thing i like to think that she's like this is tacky i don't approve of this these tables are beautiful they don't need your stupid
1: yes i handpicked the stain of this cherry wood table how dare you put this new modern cloth on it Ugh, Mm.
0: disgusting
1: i do wonder yeah what her what her situation is
0: because when i think of because well, it's weird. I mean, I, obviously, a different time period. But when I think of my grandmother, I think of those plastic tablecloths. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Like, should be used for like an outdoor picnic, but very much on yes. her kitchen table. Yeah. Oh, you know what?
1: I'm not going to judge her too much because my parents' kitchen table for the past like six years has been a Costco folding table that they put a just a nice tablecloth over (laughs) (laughs) masters of disguise because they can't agree on a table if you can't agree on a table you're gonna go six years without a table is basically (laughs) how that goes but yeah i know exactly what you're talking about because i feel like i feel like my grammy during thanksgiving would use those like the big they have like the plastic coating over them so you can Mm -hmm. wipe them down yeah yeah yes yes mrs bradshaw She's not the only ghostly inhabitant here because there are children, which makes sense because it was a boarding house at one at one yeah. point. Many guests have seen or heard children playing inside of the inn, always in different rooms and unseen. So no one's heard the kids, but they just hear the laughter and the little kids' footsteps and, and chatter. But patrons have also reported feeling like someone has touched their shoulder when they're completely alone. So people are wondering, are these the kids? Are they playing pranks? Or is this maybe just Mrs. Bradshaw just being kind of comforting and and trying to just make contact. They don't really know. It's hard to know. Some people speculate that perhaps the haunting involving the children is not an active and intelligent haunting, like it seems like Mrs. Bradshaw could possibly be, but rather just the home and the walls remembering the time during the Great Depression when people were just so experiencing such hardship And such uncertainty. And this was safety. This was the safe place. And that brought a lot of joy and happiness and relief to people. So that's very likely. But the ghosts don't stop here. No, there's (laughs) another spirit haunting the halls of Casablanca Inn. And his name is Mr. Butler. Okay. It is not a nickname, he's not a butler. Mr. Butler was actually the local architect who designed and built the inn originally when it was Matanza's hotel back in 1914.
0: Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Corinne, this story has so much love. This has so much love. It is so many spirits <laughs> who love this place that they do not want to leave. It's the love of the building versus I yeah. originally
1: found it because it was like the, this badass innkeeper falls in love with a rum runner during Prohibition. I was like, sick. But it's really, that was like a two, two lines of the
0: whole story. You're right. It's a love story between the building That also makes it even more of a love story because it's you and I have just fallen in love with Mrs. Bradshaw. And St. Augustine, and we haven't even been there. There we go. So much love. So much
1: love. Optimism. Optimism. Call me Optimistic Sabrina. If anyone wants anything from Sabrina, ask her now. Yeah, take (laughs) this opportunity. She'll probably say yes. Take the opportunity. (laughs) Mr. Butler clearly loved the place. He's a bit of a mysterious guy. We don't know a ton about his his life and and anything like that, but we can assume Mm -hmm. this must have been his favorite project to work on or the one that he was most passionate about because his spirit is here and he haunts specifically room 11. Okay. If you book room 11, you very likely may come in contact with Mr. Butler face to face. Because this man appears in a full-body apparition right in front of you. He is finely dressed. He's dapper. He might make you wonder for a minute if you're going mad if this costumed actor has just broken into your room or... That's terrifying. It is terrifying. But it's not an intruder, at least a living one. It is Mr. Butler. And while his entry into this plane and into your room, room eleven, may be startling, his actions are not because he's actually just as warm and considerate as Mrs. Bradshaw is, was, is.
0: I understand, often. but if you're not expecting a man to appear in your room, that no matter what is unsettling, despite the intentions.
1: So unsettling. And you know what, Sabrina, you saying that makes it makes me think <laughs> Because I was like, oh, he's so kind. Because one of the things he does is he usually reassures people. He's known to say, like, you're safe. There's nothing to be afraid of. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. I was when I was writing this, I wasn't thinking about like the fact that he just popped up out of nowhere and they're like, ah! Yeah. And he's like, You're safe. Don't be afraid. I was more just like thinking he was coming in to be like, this is a safe place for you. <laughs> Vibe out this has always been a great out. building yes but no you're <laughs> right it's probably directly in response to him terrifying people and them yes sprinting out of being like what
0: the and f- i think that
1: that I is hope what that, happens
0: oh i was gonna say i hope that whoever checks into that room the front desk tells them of this but it sounds like no they don't no one i don't know
1: i read on many reports that yeah his words are seldom listened to i think people do <laughs> sprint out of there pretty quick in terror fair
0: yeah i would too i
1: probably would too I'd sprint out and then I'd be like, that was so cool. I hope that happens to me again. In that <laughs> one. Once I've prepared myself for it.
0: Right, right. But just willy-nilly popping up. I have an idea. And this is an idea that's been percolating in my mind. I think I said that strangely percolating in my mind for the last 20 minutes that you've been telling me this story. We said we want to go to St. Augustine. Let's go and mm-hmm. let's stay in Room 11 at Casablanca Inn.
1: I'm actually down. I'm not afraid of Mr. Butler at all. If he, If someone wants to... To hold me in their arms and tell me I'm safe and everything's okay. Hell yeah,
0: Mr. Butler. I'll do that for you any day.
1: Thank you. Okay. Maybe that will help trigger his spirit. Maybe he'll be like, group hug. (laughs) (laughs) Into this. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that will cure him and then he'll like pass on to the other side. That's the only thing left that he needed in life was a group hug. A group hug. (laughs) (laughs) Guests report walking through cold spots. Walking through a ghost. And also, I love this one. Freshly made beds will sometimes appear to have an indent on them, like someone is is sit or, I guess people in the rooms, both guests and also the housekeepers think, oh shoot, someone sat on the bed and go to kind of like, just fix it, yeah. tug and and smooth it out. But when they do that, it doesn't budge. So there's something sitting there, a ghost butt. We love ghost buds. Love them. So fun. And this whole thing, I mean, everything at the inn, I feel like is is pretty silly and fun to experience, but it's likely not too fun to wander around at night or to go to bed and hear the wailing screams coming from the halls and from the adjacent rooms, which does happen from time to time. Who is this? I don't know. I don't know. I hope it's not Mrs. Bradshaw. No, I hope not. I, I hope so too. But, you know, perhaps it's it's all of the the traveling salesmen, the G men, the government <laughs> men who are just wailing in their afterlife after realizing that they failed so terribly at their job and didn't realize that all the other patrons around them and the innkeeper herself was who they were looking for. Fooled them. Fooled. Uh also lamps and other electronics will just turn on and off despite not being plugged in. So that is kind of mm. spooky. Very spooky. Uh, very unsettling if you go into this place not knowing not the knowing history. Yeah. Yep. But for those of us who do know now, I encourage you to go ahead, everyone. Book a stay at the Casablanca Inn and be amongst the dazzling history of St. Augustine's rum running route. Enjoy perfect views of the bay and tempt your fate by wandering around the property because you just may get lucky and run into some friendly specter.
0: Okay, I'm in. Sign me up. And
1: that is our love of St. Augustine and Casablanca Inn.
0: That is a beautiful story. And it did have a lot of love. And I hope you can accept that. Accept see that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for completing my words. All right. My thoughts. Pat myself on the back. I pat myself on the back, even though we're the love. same. So you felt it. Yeah.
1: Although I, ju- I just tried to say enough love and I said enough lug. So
0: <laughs> <this> is- <laughs> Today, lug them off. I'm looking off. I don't know. Sims. Uh,
1: if there's a new Sims, it's like we're not even speaking <gasps> Simlish, we're speaking Th- our, our own
0: version. I think I actually have this for my IPN, but no, I just found out that there's like a haunted paranormal pack. Oh my gosh. I, I think play. it came out in like 2016, but it's new to me. <laughs>
1: It's new to you. Actually, that makes sense cuz I feel like I've been seeing some spooky. Yeah, I mean there
0: were always ghosts in Sims. Like people dressed as like witches and stuff. I don't know, I haven't played. Huh. I'll play and okay. Live stream myself let me know. playing and
1: then... Honestly, Sabrina, that can be our, that can be our new venture. It's like if you can play Sims, I don't know if this is how you play Sims if you can actually play it online with friends. But I feel like that would be really
0: fun. That would be really fun. Someone could just Sims play. better you than know? us. Let us know. We'll make a two girls, one ghost town. Oh my God. Hell yes. What would you build first? And then we'll be sad because we don't live in it. Yeah, but we do virtually. Yeah, that's true. It's just not the same. Oh, sorry. You're supposed to be grass is green today. Okay. (laughs) Well, grass is not going to be green when I tell you my story and I'm sorry. I wrote it before I was optimistic. (laughs) The optimism hit at 9 a.m. and no sooner. No sooner. Okay. So my story is um, a bit morbid and... (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Doesn't quite end happily and is also a bit questionable in terms of a lot of things.
1: Hey, you know what? That is 50% of marriages. So I think it works. (laughs) Statistically right on the
0: nose. (laughs) So this is a story of the kiss of death, of death's kiss. Literally, because this is a story of a death caused by kisses. Interesting. Human kisses? Human kisses. Yes. No, this one doesn't have a ton of paranormal aspects. It's more just death. And I'm just thinking of diseases and like flesh-eating bacteria from a kiss. This is the thing is it's not going to be any of that. And that is what I thought at first too. But no, this is a story of a, a young man who died because of kisses two days after Valentine's Day.
1: No, oh my gosh. How
0: horrible. Oh, it's a very horrible story. Okay. George Spencer Millett was born on February 14th, 1894. He was a young, handsome lad, and he had been through some tough times in life because he was the eldest. He had one younger brother, and his dad, Cornelius, had passed away suddenly, leaving his mother a widow and having to now take care of two young kids by herself. So George, being the oldest decided to take it upon himself to help financially support his mom and his younger brother. In 1909, he started working at the Department of Applications at the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company building. It's basically the MetLife building, which to this day still stands and people probably recognize it. It's in Manhattan. I have a picture. This is, we'll put them in the YouTube video, but this is the building as it stands today. And here's how it looked back in the 1900s. Oh, wow. It's very big. It was. It was the tallest building in the world until 1913 and was the tallest building in New York City. Yeah. It was 700 feet and 50 stories tall. It was constructed between 1890 and 1909 and opened its doors for employees in 1909. It was a major part of New York City growth. And just as like a little like background, the 1900s in New York City was a time of transformation. A lot of the immigrants that were currently housed in this area were being relocated so that more metropolis city could be developed, which also meant bridges were being built. A lot more people were commuting into the city. It became this massive place of commerce. With this came many bright-eyed kids, both men and women looking for their shot. It symbolized opportunity for money, success. And for George, it didn't only mean making money or making a name for himself and seeking independence, but it also meant being able to financially support his mother and his brother. Another thing to note is this is during the suffragette movement. So a lot of like woman empowerment and this like desire for independence as we continue to fight for. (laughs) Insurance company were on the rise at this time. So George basically saw an opportunity. He was like, if I can get into this industry, it can offer me a lot of opportunity moving forward and financial wealth. And so he got a job at the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company in this building. And his intentions were very pure. He was a hard, diligent worker. And there's a New York Times article that stated, George was a good run of office boy. And this is a quote. It said, his manners were good, and his fair hair and fair complexion made him the pet of all the girl stenographers. So he was the office cutie, and I'm going to show you a picture.
1: Yeah. Almost seems like he's he's about to enter
0: socialite status in New York, too, if everyone's like, wow, hottie, hottie. I am going to tell you that this photo I'm about to show you was taken five years. Okay, this photo was taken in 1904, so he looks like a baby. But I also want to say... He kind of is a baby in this story. He's 15 years old. So in this photo, I think he's 10 years old. So he's young. Oh, oh,
1: he's very young. I feel uncomfortable with the story now. (laughs) I was fully thinking like 24 years old, you know, when everyone's talking about this, but I,
0: I... Yes. So that is why I want to right now kind of set a have a little bit of a trigger warning. I don't know the full story. We were not there. I am only reporting based on what articles have said and what the New York times reported on, on the day of the event. It is very possible that this encounter was a very non-consensual inappropriate encounter, but there is also a version where it was playful and an accident. So with that being said, George was 15. He was the office cutie. A lot of the female stenographers who were like in their young 20s loved him. And they kind of teased him. They like messed around and they were like, they just thought he was cute and, and teased him. It's a bit questionable. He had worked there for about two months. And then on February 16th, 1909, George was at work at the MetLife building, chatting with his coworkers. And he made mention of it being the anniversary of the sinking of the U.S. Navy ship USS Maine. Just a little bit of history on the USS Maine. Back on February 15th, 1898, the USS Maine sank in Havana Harbor when an explosion tore through the ship and killed more than 260 sailors on board. So this was like a big moment in history and something that George remembered. And when George first brought it up, everyone's kind of like, why do you like how do you remember that that's you know you have such a good vivid memory of the event and George commented that it was a monumental moment in his life because it was right after his birthday and this is the first time that these coworkers heard it was his birthday so all of the women are like what it was your birthday you didn't tell us they start squealing they're like we want to celebrate you his birthday was february 14th keep in mind so this is now february 16th so he had celebrated his birthday over the weekend, and had not told his coworkers until, I guess, accidentally making mention of it at work on the 16th. All of these women are like, we want to celebrate you. We want to give you a gift. And they start peppering him with questions. And George informs them that he had just turned 15. Most of these women, being in their early 20s, were kind of all over George. There were three women in particular who told George that they wanted to celebrate him. And what better way to do that than by giving him 15 kisses for his 15th birthday? Three women, 15 kisses each, 45 kisses in total. Oh no, I think I know where this is going. Based on what I'm, when I have gathered, it was not a let's make out type of thing. It was more of like give little boy George a bunch of like. Yeah, like- it's around his face kind of thing. Yeah. That doesn't make it better, but I that is what I perceived. Yes. So the girls teased him and they said, at the end of the day, when the work hours are over is when they will give him his gift. George apparently playfully remarked that not a girl shall get near me. And this is where the uh, story takes an even darker twisted turn. Here's the thing. Not a girl shall
1: get near me. They, they wrote that it was a playful sentence, but the only people who probably reported on it being a playful tone, were the perpetrators. So I yep. just want to remind everyone, because I just saw both Elizabeth Olsen and Mary-Kate Nashley Olson Olsen talking about this in an interview club. No is a full sentence. And yes. It sounds like
0: he said no. It's Yes. Very, very clearly he has said no. And what's so upsetting about this is we will never know his side of the story. So 4.30 p.m. came around on February 16th, 1909, and these three women, Gertrude Robbins and two other female co workers, all in their early 20s, found 15 year old George. Their shifts had all ended. And before George could go home, they wanted to deliver their 15 kisses each, their 45 kisses total. Apparently, they started like running towards George and like teasing him and trying to kiss him. And he kind of like pushed away from them. And all of a sudden, George falls and yells, I'm stabbed! (gasps) George begins to scream. The women were terrified, immediately jump back, and are so confused, Gertrude rushes towards George and sees blood pouring out of his chest. Oh, She is so horrified by it that she faints. An ambulance is called, and according to a New York Times article that was front page the day after the incident, The police were not informed of the accident. It was only known of because Policeman Blass was stationed on 23rd Street and saw the ambulance outside of the Met building at around 5 p.m. He was curious, and so he goes into the building and is like, what is happening? Apparently, everyone's like super vague. They don't tell him what's going on, probably because the company doesn't want anyone to know that someone is bleeding out on their floor. Basically, they assaulted him, and it was manslaughter. Uh, yes. So the police officer escorts himself up to the third floor, which is where he finds a doctor attending to George Millet, who is lying on the floor of the applications department leading out in the middle of an excitable crowd. Apparently at this time, the two, two of the three women had already been sent home. And Gertrude was still there because she had fainted. And so she was also being looked at by medical staff. Officer Blass found Dr. McClure from the New York Hospital attending to George and was informed that George was suffering from a wound just below his heart. They rushed George into the ambulance, but very sadly and tragically, George died on the way to the hospital. The cause of death was believed to be internal hemorrhage. Back at the office, they sent Miss Robbins home. And that is when Officer Blass was like trying to get down to the bottom of it. People are evading his questioning and he finally, I don't know, somehow pieces things together and learns that Gertrude Robbins was involved. He doesn't know what to what extent, so he decides to track her down with the resources of the police department and find her through her mother's address at West 81st Street. They arrive and they find... Gertrude a 23-year-old and and Gertrude agrees right away to accompany the police to the station and they interrogate her and she didn't know that George had died until she get, got to the police station because no one had informed her basically she knew that he was bleeding <gasps> but he was taken to the hospital and no one knew of his fate until the police told her George has died she was horrified and she was like fully cooperating, told the police everything, but I guess didn't tell them the other two names of the women because to this day, no one knows who else was involved. Only Gertrude's name is attached to this. The police basically arrest her on homicide charges. And it was shortly after this that the hospital called the police and informed them that this was a horrible accident because When they took George to the hospital to do an autopsy, they found inside his shirt pocket, right above his heart, had been an ink eraser. And you're probably like, an ink eraser? Like, what? Back in the day, I'll show you a picture. There's a photo of a 1900s ink eraser, and it looks looks like a knife. It looks like a shiv, to be honest. Oh, yeah, because I was thinking about a pencil
1: eraser, and I was like, a little rubber stub? Oh, yeah, that's a straight-up knife. Yeah. What the heck? And a, what, how do you even, what even is an ink eraser? Did you scrape the ink off of something with this? It must be that. Yeah. Is it essentially just an, a knife? Yeah, I do don't know. Did they just call an ink eraser?
0: I do not know. But that was what was in his chest pocket because he used it a lot at work. And so when he had gotten into this little like tiff with the women and tried to run away and fell, he landed on the sh- Sharp end of the ink eraser and it went through to right below his heart. He ultimately died because of his injuries. Because of this, the police ruled it an accident and Miss Robbins was dropped. Like all the charges were dropped against Miss Robbins. And technically, there was no f- crime committed. So there was no further investigation. Some say, and it's, you know, I'm, I was not there but George cannot speak for himself. Based on the way that the questions were evaded, there is a belief that the women were so attacked George and that it was not consensual. Mm. And there is a crime involved, but justice will never be served. It didn't sound consensual from the jump. No, so exactly. exactly. He said no,
1: he was trying to run away. I mean, I don't even know how, given the two tidbits of information that we have, that people can think that it's just silly fun games. It was not.
0: You know what pisses me off? When I was in middle, no, when I was in elementary school, these this group of boys would chase me every day at recess, every day, to the point where I my knees were permanently, like I always had Band-Aids on my kneecaps because they were so scuffed up. And they would I would bleed so much from falling on them because these boys would chase me. And then they would hold me down and one of them would kiss me. And I was told it was because they liked me. Sabrina. Yep. Did,
1: so the freaking principal didn't do anything? They didn't get in trouble?
0: No. It just stopped one day, so. Yeah. I haven't worked through this. This is the, like, I've, I've always told this story and I've never, like, been like, oh, that's fucked. I had so many other things that I've had to work through, but <laughs> add that to my list. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I would have whittled them if I had seen that. I would have protected you. Thank you. I have you now, and that's what matters. I would have, I would have hawked a loogie into their ear. It would have been, <laughs> been so much worse than a willy if I saw that go down.
0: Yeah. Anyway, don't tell your children that someone bullying them and attacking them is that a sign of someone liking them. Because that is fucked. Yeah.
1: Also, one more thing to add to this list of trauma. Yeah. I had to have a conversation with my dad once I got a little older after too many years of discomfort about just because you like hugging your relatives does not mean you need to force your children to hug and kiss your relatives. Yes. Yes. So I had to have a hard conversation with my dad when I was like, I'm done. Like I started... Yeah leave when my dad was ready to go I started going to the car because I didn't want the pressure of go hug and kiss this person go hug and kiss no I don't want to don't, you don't touch have me. to
0: I'm out no it's your body you can do what you want yeah I've I've really yeah let your kids say hello and goodbye the way that they feel comfortable yes. I've been spending a lot of time with Jill and her kids and yeah. I mean, like, you know, you get excited when you see little kids, you're like, you want to hug them, but it's very important to me that I'm like, do you want, can I, can I have a hug or do you want a hug? Let's ask them because it's, they can decide for themselves. They might not be in the mood. Yeah. They might not want to.
1: And also after all the medical classes I had to take as a psych undergrad, I'm not kissing anybody's, Germs. anyone else's child on the cheek, nowhere. The amount of stuff that can get transferred and you can permanently, let unknowingly change another child's life because you just wanted to give them a kiss on their cute little cheek. Don't. It's not worth it. Kiss your own kids, not other people's. Let's all keep our hands to ourselves. Yes. Everyone just sit quietly, cross your legs, hold your hands clasped, and, and do your own yourself. thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Never leave your own home. Do not communicate with anyone. Turn into a ghost. So... Back to George. very sadly, George passed away. He was then buried in the Woodland Cemetery in the Bronx. His gravestone is still there today, and it is very hard to miss, because it reads: "George Spencer Millet, son of Cornelius J. and Carrie L. Millett, lost life by stab in falling on an ink eraser, evading six young women trying to give him birthday kisses in Office Metropolitan Life Building." It's a lot of words. Mm -hmm. And also kind of tragic that that is now how he is remembered and that his family chose to put that on his gravestone. But you know what? Okay, I didn't think about this, but that also could be a call for justice. Right, like bring some accountability in. Yeah, yeah. Remember how I said it's just morbid and it's not really a ghost story? That This is kind of the story. And I was so intrigued by it that I ended up looking up If other people had died by kisses. And then it brought me more to like how you were saying in the very beginning kisses of disease and stuff causing people to die. So I found three other stories. Apparently, there was a woman in China who killed her lover after suspecting he was having an affair by passing a capsule filled with rat poison from her mouth to his during an intense makeout sesh. He swallowed the pill and died not long after. Then, oh my God, I know. And what a risk for her to like have that pill in her mouth. Yeah. And what if he didn't, what if
1: he didn't swallow it too? Like, what if he just was like, what is this in my mouth? Spits it out, realizes, and then puts her in even more of a dangerous situation. Then he wouldn't have
0: died, but she was caught and Yeah, she was caught and arrested for this crime. Jeez, um. um, Another kiss of death in October of 2012, a 20 year old woman named Miriam DuCare kissed her boyfriend before going to sleep. She woke up in the middle of the night, unable to breathe and died at the hospital. And it was determined that her boyfriend had eaten the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which Miriam was allergic to peanuts. And just that one kiss sent her into anaphylactic shock and she died. Oh my gosh. The last, Terrible morbid act of death by kiss I will share is the story of Julio Marcias Gonzalez. He was 17 years old when he received a hickey from his girlfriend that caused a deadly stroke. Apparently, the love bite caused a blood clot that traveled to his brain and caused a stroke that he died from. (sighs) Gross. So stop kissing one another. Don't give hickeys. Stay to yourself. And those are the lessons of the story of George Spencer Millett. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: But, oh, I'll show you George's tombstone. Yeah, I feel terrible for George.
1: He was 15. And why did he yeah. have to be there? Why did he have to work? Because he was trying to support his family. I know, but he shouldn't. I would just wish he didn't have to. And he shouldn't. They should have taken no for an answer. Don't you wish we all didn't have to work? Yes. I was saying that to Jordan the other day. I was like, I freaking love this job and love doing the podcast so much, and I like don't even consider it work. It's and not I a job. Yeah, catch myself saying like, I don't want to work. I don't want to have to do anything, and that is true because I don't view this as work. This is like <laughs> still in my head. Like this is the passion. This is the fun thing this on the is side. Fine. But it's just like. I'm speaking for all. Like, I wish we all just got to yeah. trade chicken, eggs, and vegetables that we have in our backyard and just <laughs> live peacefully all together as a little commune. That's
0: the dream. We could do that, Krin. We just have to... And I would still podcast from the commune. Let's do it. You have to move We here. can make that happen. Okay. I'm already trying. W- one day. I'm
1: enticed. First, we went to the Farmette, and then you were into the Farmette in Connecticut.
0: And then... Here's what's happening. Around other places... You have put the hook into the ocean and I'm circling it with interest because there is a nice appealing little worm on the end. And yeah, I've taken a couple I'm, nibbles, I think. I'm I'm getting closer and closer to being anchored through the mouth. <laughs>
1: Straight through the mouth.
0: Full anchor. It.
1: Rip yep. you up. Pull <laughs> me <laughs> out. Yep. I'm going yep. to Give me a couple more years and you'll be here. (laughs) Mark my word, you'll be here. Oh my gosh. I think, really, if anything's going to happen, you're just going to spend a lot of time in my guest bedroom and just get your fix that way.
0: I I definitely want to live on the East Coast for like one to two months a year. That's my goal. Great goal. Great goal. How about we
1: flip that? Full time Mm -hmm. East Coast, (laughs) one to two months West Coast. You got to take what you can get.
0: Okay. We have ghost stories from you, our listeners. Yes,
1: we do. I guess I'll go first since I read my story first. That's how we do this thing. Is that how we used to do this thing? That's how we used <laughs> to do it. Okay. This is from Amy. Hi, ladies. I just started listening a couple months ago, thanks to my wonderful coworker, and we are hooked. I am still way back. In The 2019 episodes, number 81 to be exact, and I always start a new podcast from the beginning, so it's going to take a while to get caught up. Amy, you better catch up because we were reading your email. Oh, this was a year ago though, so maybe. So, Amy could be with us still, she could be right up here, or she left almost caught up Who knows? if not, or she's like, Wow, too many I hate these girls. uninteresting, <laughs> they are <Side> dumb tangents. <laughs> I recently visited St. Augustine, Florida to celebrate my mom's birthday with my mom, sister-in-law, and aunt. If you've not been yet, it's a must. Fun. We don't know. Agreed. We want to go. The week I was leaving for the trip, I happened to listen to your episode on St. Augustine, so I was fully prepared and thought the stars were aligning. A quick backstory. My dad and I were the only ones in my family that liked scary movies. He passed away abruptly a few years ago, leaving me alone oh. in my weirdness. I knew St. Augustine has a lot of history being the oldest city in the U.S., so I desperately wanted to go on a haunted tour of sorts to learn the darker history of the area. I knew my mom and sister-in-law would not be interested. My aunt, however, is into true crime and X-Files and immediately agreed to go when I mentioned it to the group. We went on a Ghosts and Gravestones tour just after dark because I'm a mother of two toddlers and cannot, cannot stay up past nine most days. I, I don't even have kids and I feel that way. Yeah, same. One of our stops was the Tolomato Cemetery. Our tour guide told several stories, but the one that stood out to me was of a six year old boy that they called James. He was climbing the tree that still stands in the cemetery today when he fell from it and he broke his neck. When we finished the tour, our guide had us all say, Stay here, do not follow me, a few times. Well, that night I had a dream. At least I think it was a dream. That there was a little boy standing behind me as I slept in my vacation rental bed. I never saw him. I could only feel and sense him. It almost felt like he needed comfort, like my kids do when they want to crawl into bed with us. Still lying on my side with the boy standing behind me, I noticed something in the corner of the room. There is a fit, bald man crouched in the corner (sighs) of the window and the wall. He has deep, hooded eyes And is wearing a white long-sleeve Henley shirt, and the sleeves are bunched up to his elbows, slacks with suspenders, and he's barefoot. He slowly stands up and tries to take a step towards the bed, and then crouches back down. He repeats this, over and over, every time getting closer and closer to the bed. My heart is racing, and I can feel the boy behind me, but I'm unable to do anything. Ah. I finally force my eyes open, and I check my room. I'm alone. No little boy. No bald man in the corner. I've never experienced such a vivid dream, if this even was a dream. The next day was our last day in St. Augustine, so we went back to an older part of the town to get some cheesecake and wine at the Bar (laughs) Harbor Cheesecake Company. You must go there. Seriously.
0: I love cheesecake. Yeah, let's go!
1: It just happened to be next to the Telemato Cemetery, and it wasn't quite open yet. While we were wandering around, waiting for them to open, my aunt, mom, and I were looking through the cemetery gates and noticed James's headstone, and my heart broke for him and his family. My heart was heavy, and I was still spooked from what I experienced the night before, so I repeated, stay here, do not follow me, with more conviction this time, and I instantly felt lighter, as if something had released me. Oh. While we were standing at the cemetery gates, a man came up behind us and asked, Hey, do you want to see something cool? Being tr- <laughs> trusting Lowens, we all said, Sure. <laughs> he then explains that he was also on a ghost tour much later in the night, the night before, and took six pictures of the same spot. And three of the six pictures, you can clearly see an apparition. I was so excited. I told my older (laughs) sister-in-law who flat out brushed it off and made me feel like a fool for believing in such things. So thank you for your amazingly spooky podcast. It makes a lot of us feel like we finally have a place to discuss such things and get Mm. spooked right along with you. Real quick, the little boy, James, has been known to follow people home. I seriously considered inviting him home with me, but then I decided against it As my daughter just got over her own possibly paranormal experiences, I will share those stories another time.
0: Stay spooky and I will see you on the other side, Amy. Okay, Amy. There was a moment when Amy said that that guy was like, Do you want to see something cool? I thought Amy was going to recognize the spirit in the photos as the old man. Because that's the one part of the story that I'm creeped out by. Because the little boy, I'm like less creeped out by. But the old man crouching in the corner and then standing up and creeping closer is really weird.
1: Yeah. Especially because the little boy has a reputation of following people Mm -hmm. home, which I think is why on the ghost tour they're told to to say like, do not follow me. You stay here. Do not follow me. You stay here. Because he will go. And so clearly Amy didn't, either didn't have enough conviction or was Mm -hmm. just too interesting to not follow home. But yeah, the other guy is just so creepy, especially because he's He's sneaking up on her, right? It is one of those weird things where it's like, where how was she watching him? Because she was asleep, so her eyes were closed. So it's not like they were making eye contact with her physical body and his astral body. But was she in the astral plane watching him? And if so, were they making eye contact? Could Was he aware
0: of her awareness of him? Yeah, I don't know. I, I always get confused sometimes with dreams because they the ones like this where they feel so real— it does feel like there's two versions. One, it's either the astral plane or you are awake, but your brain is like processing it as a dream because it's too scary. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Which I don't know.
1: I always go back to my friend Nikita getting dragged down her hall. by oh, some I hate demon that and one. And then waking up with the rug burns on her legs and it re- realizing yeah. it wasn't a dream. Like that is just the perfect example of like, that was a horrifying nightmare. And then you realize that it, it was real. Yeah, you're right. It probably was. It's hard to
0: know for sure. I
1: mean, it was a paranormal experience. I don't believe that it was fully a dream. Or even if you were in a dream world, there was still something happening in your room around you. Yes. Amy,
0: sorry. We believe. Tell your your sister-in-law we believe you. (laughs) You know what? Who cares if your sister-in-law believes you? She's the one who's missing out on a whole side of the universe that is really freaking cool. I have another, <laughs> in the vein of our podcast title, Two Girls, One Ghost, and in regard to who I am as a person, I have picked an encounter from our listener, Rachel, that is called a not-safe-for-work ghost, and I'm sure you can guess where this is going, and you'll find out if you can't. Okay. Wow. Okay. So
1: probably if there are any kids listening, this is a skippable
0: story for the kids, Yeah. Yeah, you can maybe screen it before you let them listen. We've had stories like this on the podcast before. Okay. Happy Halloween, ghostesses. I sent an email in a few months back about an interesting glitch in the matrix experience, but I'm going to be upfront. This experience is very different. When I first staying at my boyfriend's apartment, I immediately got weird vibes. Like the air was heavier and darker than it should be. I'd hear noises, get sleep paralysis, which I hadn't had for six years at that point. And I kept seeing shadows dart in the corners of my eye. One night, my boyfriend was snoring just a bit too loudly. And so I decided to go sleep on the couch upstairs. Coming up is sexual content, probably, preferably for listeners with with the ears of 18 and above. And I think I just made that up because that is not written down. (laughs) So Rachel says, I fall asleep. And the next thing I know, I, in quotes, wake up and something is on top of me, having intense sex with me. I couldn't look at this thing's face. And to be honest, he might not have even had one. It was more like a blur. And what makes it even weirder is as this was happening, I had the overwhelming feeling that this was the best sex I'd ever had. Even after waking up, I had the sensation that that sex was incredible. It was still nighttime when I woke up and I thought maybe it really was a dream. So I went back to sleep. And next thing I know, I wake up again this time sitting on the couch facing that same entity, his face still blurry. He is now sitting on the ottoman facing me and tells me not to tell my boyfriend about this. What in the world? (laughs) I could not look at his face like maybe I wasn't allowed to. And for a few days, I didn't say anything. I almost felt a sense of obedience and loyalty to whatever this thing or spirit was. But of course me, with my uncontrollable big mouth, did eventually tell my boyfriend about the experience. Nothing harmful came from that besides never being able to encounter this thing again. But it doesn't end here. My boyfriend's neighbor, who we will call Jessica, would come over a lot to watch TV and drink beers with us and my boyfriend's dad. My boyfriend started to tell this story to them, and Jessica's face dropped. She rushed over to me and said, I thought I was crazy. But twice now, in my sleep, I have felt something use its fingers on me down there. My guess is that this was an incubus that, I don't know, didn't seem evil or harmful. And sometimes I wonder if telling my boyfriend about the experience made the spirit feel betrayed, and that's why he has never been back. The house since then has felt less heavy, like something has left. If I ever get the chance to see him again, I'll send you ladies an update. Or maybe I shouldn't, winky face. Keep it spooky, (laughs) Rachel.
1: My gosh, things like this are so confusing because there are so many incubus and succubus stories that are just so horrific and so just disturbing and so scary for people to go through. But then there are stories like this not only has Rachel experienced this, but when we talked to Conchetta Bertoldi, Conchetta also experienced something like this. We have a whole episode where we talked about celebrities having sex with ghosts and all of the things that they've said. Mm -hmm.
0: It's just so interesting. And some people have such negative experiences and then others have like Rachel is having this experience of like bliss and orgasmic, literally experience. It's, happy it's sure maybe not yeah something they expected but for rachel to say that it was the best sex she's ever experienced and she sometimes feels like telling her boyfriend is the reason that this man spirit whatever it is has not been back rachel clearly wants another visit
1: (laughs) (laughs) wants another go yeah Dang. And the fact that someone else experienced it in the same house too, like you can't say, oh, that was just like a dirty dream or a hallucination or anything right. like that. Someone else experienced the exact same thing in that yeah. state, sleeping in that home. So clearly yeah. there was something. And I do wonder, it's like, is this considered a demon? And similar to how we had that one listener tell us that they had an a negative emotion eating demon and it was really nice. And they would I wonder, take away this excess is, emotion. This is a variation where it's just like true bliss went around this demon. You experience true bliss, whether it's, it's authentic or it's implanted into you. It's a blissful experience. And I mean, that does sound a, a bit, that's like a steamy, steamy story, Rachel. Yes.
0: I will say though, let's not, let's not, advocate for people to ask for an experience like this, because I feel like we have read, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you're asking for. And we have read uh, maybe one or two encounters that are similar to Rachel's where it was a positive experience, but we've read far more that are negative, far more that are invasive and awful and just not something we would wish upon anyone. So just get a vibrator. Could... That's a great suggestion. And maybe yeah. next to your vibrator
1: have some black tourmaline, some yeah. black obsidian.
0: <laughs> you know, all you need. Fight off all the demons. All you need is the vibrator. All you need is love. That's it. All you need is love.
1: Hope you guys got- This was such a roller coaster of an episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of things have happened. Yeah. But thanks for joining us. If you have any ghost stories, about whatever it may be. Cause clearly we have, we just anything and everything goes. Email them to us at two girls goes podcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends, your family, your cousins, your loved ones who are on the other side all about our podcast and join the pyramid scheme because it's fun. Why not? Because we told you to, okay? <laughs> and we're bossy.
1: Uh, you can support us <laughs> if, if you want to still. By just following us on social media, also to stay in the know, following us on Instagram and subscribing on our website, Two Girls One Ghost, to our email is mm-hmm. probably the most beneficial.
0: Yes. Write and review us on iTunes and follow us on YouTube so you can watch our faces as we react to each other and talk. Um, basically, watch us on YouTube. Thank you so much to our editor, Christina, for making us sound cohesive and there is always a delay between the two of us because of the distance and internet and christina makes it seem like there isn't so thank you and thank you to all of you we love you and we will see you on the other
1: side (sighs)